0: Welcome to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun. This is your host, Bear, and today's guest is Russell Dagleesh. Russell is a serial Scottish entrepreneur, uh, investor, strategist, and innovator. He, Russell is the founding managing partner of advisory group Exalta Capital Partners um, and founding chairman of Scottish Business Network, uh, the global network supporting Scottish business leaders. He's been regularly n- named as 100 Most Influential British Entrepreneurs um, and is one of the leading influential figures in technology sector today. Um, in this episode, we'll be discussing leadership, entrepreneurship, how to really get the best out of your network. And yep, let's welcome Russell. Thank you so much for connecting and finally we can do this. I'm very excited I saw your TED talk and you talked about brave and I thought oh my god this guy has we're so aligned in in what you believe and what you preach and 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 the same same for me especially around the concept of being brave Mm -hmm. before we go into that and talk about that for people that don't know Russell what would you how would you introduce yourself
1: um how would I introduce how I would introduce myself would be depending who I was meeting so um, I think for, for what I've read about yourself, I suppose I'm an I'm a, a angel investor and a supporter of early stage businesses. So uh, that's typically where I sit. I kind of have four strands to what I do. So I, um, we have an advisory business, Exalted Capital Partners, where we specialize in working with established businesses who are turning over maybe one to two million upwards. And we help them to define strategies for growth and then roll up our sleeves and help them implement that. I also chair a couple of organizations. The largest one is Scottish Business Network. So that's the largest diaspora network for Scots in business across the globe. So we've got about 8,000 people in our community. And that's fantastic because it acts as an introducer or it gives us a channel to build relationships into countries and large corporations. So if you were to come to me and say you were looking to get into Disney, for example, I'm quite sure we could find some senior Scots who are based there in the States. Um, and then I do some, I sit in Scotland. I, my um, pro bono work tends to be with I sit on Scotland's largest technology trade board, which is Scotland IS. I work with the IOD. I sit on the government advisory board for trade. And then the final thing I do is I have some early stage businesses where I'm an investor. So, one of those is Dog Lost, which is the largest organization in the UK for lost pets.
0: Wow. Awesome. So, really quite varied. Where did your journey begin? Where did that flame and energy come from, you know, the passion and drive come from?
1: I suppose I had a, a more conventional career in sales and um, primarily international. So, um, last century, I was working in Japan and the States in sales and technology. Primarily electronics, um, and then we started a company in 1998 in Scotland, which was about trying to use technology to improve recruitment. So we had Europe's first, what is now called a software as a service model for recruitment, and we are very successful with that, with big clients like IBM. Um, that then took me after we built that company. It took me into the world of turnarounds. So I spent probably the first decade of this century in London, involved in a number of turnarounds. So that was going into businesses who were facing really big challenges and helping them survive or deciding it couldn't work. And then that led me to 2009 when I decided I didn't really want to run companies anymore. And instead I would start um, really trying to share my experience with others. So probably over the last 10 to 15 years, I've been more involved in this where I'm helping others.
0: Right, and then what's some of the challenges you see now um, compared to five, 10, 20 years ago for early startups? Because now the internet has matured a bit, things have moved on, you know, other platforms have come in, social media has come in, different platform within social media has come in. Where do you think that's, it's changed?
1: Hmm. It's a very good question. What I see now is a better definition of the opportunity. So because of the accessibility of data through things like social media platforms, it's very easy to very quickly define the targets that you would probably want to go to to help build your business. These targets may be investors or they may be potential people to buy your product or service or it may be people to come in and help. So the biggest challenge I see at the moment, particularly in the UK, is business leaders spending too much time inside the company trying to perfect the product rather than getting out and understanding the market. So if I look at pitch decks I receive or companies I meet with, the people that really impress me are the ones who understand their market and in particular understand where their market is going. So I think that the challenges are people not quite seeing that. I think there's a... You know, at the present moment, I think indicators are that 2020 could be quite a challenging year for the world economy. You know, we normally see the world economy going through peaks and troughs. So a slowdown next year would kind of indicate the fact that, well, maybe we should all be working very hard this year to plan and protect our businesses for this next challenge that's going to come.
0: And then with, the, with Brexit as well, I'm, I'm sure it's not just going to impact Europe, it's going to be going to be impacting the world as well, because there's so much uncertainty. How much of a part do you think that's going to play if someone's thinking about, you know, expansion and growth and um, perhaps starting a business? Where do you, what's, what's your view on that?
1: Well, if the market opportunity is there, I would start the business or I would accelerate the growth of the business. Brexit's just a, a change that's happening. It's not, you know, I, I, I recently spent some time in the Middle East and um, working with leaders of businesses from Iran, Iraq, Morocco, Syria, Egypt, and when I talk to them the challenges that they face are much greater than the challenges that businesses face in the UK, so if these guys can be successful there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to be successful as well. It was really interesting when I was talking to the guys from Iraq and I was talking about the challenges they face and I assumed violence would be the largest challenge and it's not the largest challenge they face is corruption. And how do you deal in, a, in a, an economic system, which is by nature corrupt? And it was interesting when we look at, um, that's an advantage we have in the UK, because it tends to be that if I say, if you and I sign a contract and I sell you something, you'll probably pay me. And then there's a structure in place around that. If you don't pay me, how I can, I can act. So I think, I think Brexit, I think is interesting because if you think about some of the things it's not going to affect as much, like people with... Technology Selling technology services. So online services, that's not really going to be affected as much by Brexit. may affect on talent, but talent's difficult to acquire anyway. So I think I'd be looking not just at Brexit, but at the bigger overall world economy. So the world economy is due a slowdown. So what will happen then? How What that restriction on the availability of capital and people's views on risk changing, how will that really affect your business and your sector?
0: right very interesting something you um you know i picked up on your on your ted talk which was very interesting was something you mentioned about contacting five people a day and i really like that idea and and i i second that that's what i do myself Um, especially on linkedin it's connecting with um you know a certain amount of people every day and just just offer them value and and help and and that really works in helping learning about your clients learning about your uh, their pains, their problems, and how you can build that product or improve your product or service yeah. to match that. Yeah. Now, I see that you, know, you shared that a lot and the concept of Brave that you built. Let, talk about that a bit more.
1: Well, I talk to a lot of companies and their challenge is winning new clients. But when you, when you break it down, it's not really winning new clients. It's getting qualified leads. That's really where they want to get started. So it's how we go about building a network of leads, which we can use to populate a sales pipeline. So one technique I've used for years is Brave. So what Brave consists of is removing the natural fear that we have about contacting people we don't know. So what you do is you start with a a selection of um, email addresses from people you've been in communication with over the last few years. And every day, you send five emails. I would typically not even do emails now, I would do it through LinkedIn messaging. And I would send five. On the Monday, send five messages. And the messages simply say, hi, I've been really impressed with what you've done in business, could you spare me five minutes to have a chat to give me some advice? So it's a very positive message. The next day, I would then call those five people just to check they received my message. And that goes into a cycle. And if you follow that every day, then at the end of the first week, you've sent 25 or 35 messages. And over time, you're really starting to build it up. But the conversations you're having are much more positive because the conversations are about you asking for help. So I could contact you and say, I'm running a podcast at the present moment. I see that you are highly successful with podcasts and I'd love to learn from you. Could you spare me five minutes on the telephone? And it's quite likely you might say yes. And then on that telephone conversation, I then ex- re-share what my challenge is, and i listen to what you tell me, and that then leads on to new opportunities. And I think it's all about having these open conversations. And I've seen, I was advising a young man um, who has a business, and he was trying to get into some of the challenger banks. And in 24 hours, we got a, meet- we got a meeting with the chief exec of one of the challenger banks. Wow. because. If the people you contact who you don't know, don't contact the people who hold a mid-management position within a company, write to the chief exec. I, I worked for a young man, um, Bruce Walker, a couple of years ago. He runs a brilliant business called Future X, And um, we were putting on a conference in San Francisco. Bruce was 19, and we wanted Apple to take part. So with my old hat thinking, I was trying to work out how to get into Apple. And instead we simply wrote to Tim Cook, Tim Cook, Chief Exec, Apple. And we wrote him a really well-crafted note, and within three weeks we got a response. I'm not daft, I don't think we got a response from Tim Cook, but we got a response from whoever responds on behalf of Tim Cook, and we got a meeting. Not with Tim Cook, but with someone else in the organization. And I think that's what I would challenge everyone to do, is to reach out to the market and get involved in these discussions. If someone was to contact me and say, Hi, Russell. I saw you on a podcast. Um, you look like you're someone who's just back, been out for a run. I'm really impressed by people who are fit. It'd be great to get five minutes on the telephone for you to give me some guidance on what I'm doing. I'm probably going to go, well, that's a really nice thing to say. Yes, I'd be delighted to have a call. If that person asked to meet me for a coffee, I would decline. Because for me to meet someone I don't know for a coffee, to dedicate an hour or 45 minutes of my time, it's too big. It's too big an investment by both parties. But a telephone call is very, very easy, and I don't get contacted. All people in my position, we can, we can, we've got the time to be contacted by more people because we're looking for opportunities. We're looking for new things to get involved in.
0: Wow, awesome! And another thing that I want to pick on is um, something very interesting you said: is the age group which has a higher failure rate in business, and you uh-huh. mentioned that's under. I think, was it 25 and below? So in, in your view, is there a specific age or age group where you think this person's ready uh, or has much better rate of success? I know an idea and you know how how good is an idea and what's the demand and how well it's implemented. That's the key thing. But in terms of age, where does that, does that play a factor?
1: I think age is completely irrelevant. But use another word in what you said there. And you said success. I think we've got to move away from the fact that success is building a billion dollar company. I don't want to build a billion dollar company. What I want to do is I want the different projects I'm involved in to be as successful as they could be. So it's understanding what that success is. Over what time period? Three of the companies I'm involved in have got no external investment at all because that's not the route we want to go. So it's to try to think about what does success look like for you? What do you really want from life? What's going to make you happy and your family happy and work towards that objective? Don't get drawn up by a by a world where everyone says you should be working 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and this is how to be successful. Work out yourself what successful is. Understand what you're trying to achieve in everything you're doing. Very key.
0: If you were right now had nothing and you uh, wanted to start a business, what would you do? if there's a lot of people out there. And I, I don't, I believe in, you know, to have resources, you need to be resourceful. Um, and one of the key things for me is, like you said, connect with people that are there already and ask for their five minutes. And, oh. and, and you'll be surprised how much they would want to share their knowledge and, 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 you know, information with you. So for you, so, you know, someone who's looking to start So Um, a young lady
1: contacted me on Friday, and she runs a yoga business. Right. uh, Teaching yoga and um, improving health with yoga. And she wants to scale that business. And I told her what I tell everyone. Number one is to start with research. So research your target market. So what geography are you going after? What services are you going to exist? Who currently provides that? And then understand the existing marketplace And then look at the marketplace and identify where you think there's a gap and then start talking to people about my idea is to fill that gap that's what my product is and then go with it that way has to start with the research and there's never been an easier time to do research than now no when i was when i was in my early 20s to do research meant going to the library
0: right (laughs) that that must have been long long days and What's been your biggest lessons and insights from the time you have been doing business, working with people, coaching and mentoring and what's been some of your biggest lessons and biggest insights? Um,
1: The biggest insight is nothing ever turns out how you planned. So if I start from the premise that the product or idea we're investing in at the start isn't the one that's going to finally be successful, that changes the way you think so what you're thinking about all the time is trying to get the market fit correct. So in the UK, we tend to have a higher percentage of inventors slash engineers, creators of products. So the approach they take is that they will spend a lot of time perfecting the product. Whereas if you look in the US, as soon as someone's got the idea, they'll be out in the market talking about it, out in the market trying to engage with the market to see where the opportunity is. So. That's my biggest, my biggest insight is that if you and I were to start a business now, it would not end up looking like that in a year's time and that would be a success because we would continually change and adapt what we're doing to better match the market. That's the first insight. The second insight is your network's everything. Building a network of trusted individuals around you across the globe in every sector with every skill is what we should all do. Because if we do that, then when something happens, we have someone to ask for help. If we're looking for some insight into something, we have someone to ask. And you build that network by helping others. So you contacted me and said, would I take part in this podcast? You're not paying me to take part in this podcast. We've got no agreement. You just asked and I said yes. Because I know this will start us on a journey of a relationship where we'll end up somewhere or you you become part of my network. And network scale is very important. I don't believe in networking events. I don't believe in going to an event where there's 50 strangers and in some way you'll work the room. I, I don't believe in that. I believe in using the technology to identify the people who I want to be talking with, and then going and finding a way to meet them, to message them, to start an engagement with them, and immediately to try and see how I can help. Wow, so I think that, those are two insights. So one is what you plan on, what you originally plan, will never be the end result. And the other one is about building your network.
0: And and any any regrets that you've had, an opportunity you put have pursued, or something you'd have done differently.
1: Sorry, say again.
0: Any any um, any regrets that you have?
1: Um, I don't. I, I don't really have a, a philosophy of life which involves sort of taking regrets. So, something will go wrong, and I, I, my life's divided into 24 hour segments. So, if something goes wrong today, I'll take that quite badly. But tomorrow morning, when I waken up, I'll be forgetting about it. And then I'll just go through a period of time where I just forget about it. So, I don't really have regrets. The other reason for that is because I view them all as lessons. So if I get involved in a project and it turns out the person I've got involved with isn't the person I originally met, that's my fault. So I don't—I um, I take personal responsibility for all the decisions I make.
0: And and what's something? Uh, what's what's the next big thing for you now? Now you've you've achieved a lot. You've done a lot. You've you've seen a lot. What's what's the next big thing that you know, that keeps that fire in your belly and then keeps you driven?
1: It's helping others. So it's seeing, it's seeing people achieve what they can in life. So I've got a, I've got a young man who guess um, was young now, who we've been working with for a couple of years, and I've seen him move his family from, you know, like a, a, a small house in a bad area in a big city to a lovely big house out in the country and his kids going to great schools. That's what I prefer to see. That, that, that to me, is the success. So it's working with individuals where I can help them. I can help someone to sell a business and to get a, a decent value for that business and then help people in that transition. You know, we live in a world where everyone talks about selling their business. Very few people actually sell a business, but and an awful lot of people sell a business and don't get the result they expected. They don't get the happiness that they expect. So there's working with that as well. So all I'm doing now is, is trying to increase the number of people we can help. I have a bias towards um, Scotland because I'm Scottish and my family are all Scottish. So we've been using this as a mechanism for building a new type of global community amongst people who have an interest in Scotland. And taking that to its ultimate conclusion is really quite exciting. So where I would like to be in five years time is that if you're a Scottish business and you've been going for five or six years and you're looking to develop new markets, you just press a button called Scottish Business Network and you get all the help and all the connections and all the advice you could need and you get it for free. That would be my goal. Wow,
0: that, that is amazing. I mean, yeah, people in Scotland must take advantage of that. Here's, here's an interesting question for you. So there's, it's year 2030 and you know how fast technology moves and how things change and with machine and artificial intelligence and what do you see is happening in the world of business and technology and in in 10 years time, what does it look like?
1: So my belief is in 2030, we will be deeply into one overall focus for our world and that is Earth and that's going to take all of our effort and all of our focus. So I think that will then adjust the way that we build businesses, the way we travel, the way we communicate, because everything will be about making our planet sustainable and raising up the standard of living for all the people on our, on our planet. I think that will be overall, because my fear will be if that is not our overall focus, the other thing we'll be doing will be at war. So in the UK, we're living in the longest period of peace from large military conflict, I believe ever. So from 1946 to now, so that is an incredible privilege I've had in my life to have grown up during all that time. You know, no one called me up to do army service at 18. No one sent me somewhere. I didn't have to do those things. So I think, unless we focus all of our efforts on addressing the the planet crisis, then we won't we won't be having any other kind of discussions. That will be the overwhelming focus for our planet and that will affect business and everything.
0: Interesting observation, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't think about it that way since 1946. That's, that's a very interesting... Uh... I'll,
1: give you, I'll give you another stat, which I find really interesting, which is about, um, I'm told, remember I'm 55, so I'm biased, but I'm told that um, technology is changing faster today and affecting our society more deeply than ever before. So that, that's, that's what I'm told. And I've, I've got a degree in technology, I've worked in technology my whole life and I've seen it happen. But let's, let's view our world in a different way. So I was born in 1964. So 1964 to now is 55 years. So let's go, let's, let's go backwards in time. So from 1964, and we'll take off 55 years, so we're at 1909. So we, know, we all know what's happened since 1964 to now, and man landing on the moon, and the internet, and everything. But what's happened from 1909 to 1964 was two enormous world conflicts. The emancipation of women in all countries in the world, and the complete transformation of the way that we live our society. That's, so the changes that we're going through at the moment are actually incremental changes on a continual basis, rather than huge structural changes. So I think it's, um, it's, it's really interesting to think about, yes, things are changing very quickly, but um, that's still a telephone. And that was a telephone since telephones were invented. The only difference was they became wireless. So a lot of the things that have changed haven't really changed that much.
0: Right. I see where you're coming from. It's improved from what it was, but it's still the same.
1: It is. We're not seeing. So it's very difficult to foretell the future because it will be these radical changes. When this device, the, the mobile telephone, first came out, there was a, um, a, a very simple um, uh, engineering device that was built into it to check that the, the mobile was working correctly. And that was called sms but no one ever thought that sms would become a primary communication tool it was never part of the plan so i I think when it comes to foretelling the future some things are very difficult i think we've got to remember that the economy will go up and down the planet crisis will remain the main focus but let's build a world round about thinking about that and thinking about that's what's important and not about the short-termism what we're going to do about Brexit tomorrow? It's a longer-term plan that's important, and I think for people who are building businesses, it's important to think about that. That no matter like you 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 build your business and you write a three-year plan, no one's no one's three-year plan is ever delivered to the button what they said it would be. It always adjusts, so it's to think about that.
0: Uh, well, one thing nobody ever talks about is um, once we get there, and I'm, I personally think we're not too far. It's space exploration. So we know that Elon Musk and Richard Branson are quite heavily working on that to get that working and get, you know, tourism started. I think once that happens, that's going to be another big change. And the focus will shift from all this conflict that we have to out there, which is so vast, so much to explore. And they're going to need people, scientists and engineers and mathematicians. And, you know, there's going to be a whole new focus out there. And that's going to be very interesting. Um, Something I'm looking forward to. And I think 2030 will be the year that that happens. Because a lot of AI and machine learning saying the next decade is going to be the, the biggest push in terms of doing that. So that's going to be very interesting.
1: So it's, it's really interesting because if you look at history and you go you know, back to when I was born in 1964, so I wasn't born long after M. Kennedy has given his speech about the fact America would dedicate everything to putting a man on the moon by 1970. So that was the greatest investment period the world has ever seen in space exploration. So that brought a certain number of benefits, and particularly around about the way we think and the way we see the world. So it'll be very interesting to see how the, the next stage will be a different journey. You no, know, we'll be seeing space tourism's interesting, but actual um, raising the horizons and what's possible is even more interesting. But I still think there's a lot on the Earth. I think um, the oceans, um, the, the, the developments in the third world, particularly in Africa, these are amazing opportunities for business as well. They'll be hugely larger than, than space exploration. Space exploration is always going to suffer from the cost. You know, that the capital investment is enormous.
0: Yeah. Opportunities are vast, you know, if you're, if you're looking.
1: They are. Well, we're, we're, we're very well positioned in Scotland. We have a burgeoning space sector. we have um launch pads identified and investments going into that so it's it's a very important one to us
0: awesome any any final words before we uh before we end the show
1: what's your typical audience for your show are these people involved in startups or scale-ups or investors
0: yes there's a mix but primarily it's uh people that want to uh startups and early entrepreneurs or new entrepreneurs that want to learn from the best and Get ideas and insights and, and see what's possible for them? So what, what
1: I would say to that target market then is mentorship is incredibly important. So if I look at the important things that happened in my life, it was when I found a mentor, I found someone who could help me with a particular aspect of what I was trying to achieve, someone who had been down the road before, they were ahead of me. My mentors today, I've got three key mentors, and they're all in their 70s, still active, great guys, but they're, they're in their 70s. So I think people today should be using LinkedIn to identify the people, the individuals, that they think will be able to help them move their business or their idea forward, and they should reach out and contact them. So that's what I would urge everyone to do. And, and not, you know, don't wait, to, don't, you know, you can join an incubator and someone will be allocated to you as your mentor, but isn't it better to go and get a, a, a mentor, like for yourself? For for growing your podcast, I would be telling you to go make a list of the top ten podcasters in the world and contact them all. Because one of them might say, actually, I was looking to help someone. I'd love to have a chat with you. That's how we learn.
0: Absolutely. Certainly something I'll be implementing, especially on my podcast side.
1: Excellent. How
0: can how can people find you, Russell, to get in touch with you, get in contact
1: I, I, with you? LinkedIn's contact. probably the easiest, or Twitter. So my Twitter handles Russell Exalta. And then I'm Russell Dalglish on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for coming on the podcast. You've been a great guest.
1: Great to speak to you. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun with your host Jazbear. If you love this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Also make sure you to visit www.jazbearaurora.com to access the show notes. And if you are thinking about uh, starting your business, then take our Escape the 95 survey to see if you're ready. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.